podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Carolyn Schlamm. Carolyn is an award-winning American painter, sculptor, and glass artist born and raised in New York City. She studied painting with Norman Rabin, youngest son of the Yiddish writer Sholem Aleichem, in Carnegie Hall Studios and glassmaking at Urban Glass in Brooklyn. She currently maintains her painting and collage studio at 14 Gitana Avenue, Camarillo, California, 93012, and is currently working as an artist in residence at the Glass Arts Collective in Westlake Village, California. Carolyn is also a published author. Her book, The Creative Path, A View from the Studio on the Making of Art, is a treatise on art making from philosophical, psychological, practical, and spiritual points of view, and was published in 2018 by Skyhorse Publishing. Her latest book, The Joy of Art, How to Look at, Appreciate, and Talk About Art, is an art appreciation course from the artist's lens and is now available for purchase at booksellers everywhere. Carolyn's books for children, Art Smarts, a primer for the young artist, and The Alphabet Club are available through her studio. In 2013, Carolyn was named one of the 48 finalists in the Smithsonian Museum Portrait Competition. Her portrait, Frances at 103, was exhibited in the National Portrait Gallery for one year and was subsequently acquired by the museum. It is in the permanent collection of the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture. In 2018, her mother and child joined the prestigious Cedar sinai Art Collection. Carolyn has a strong interest in donating works to organizations and collections, especially those with a feminist orientation, and encourages interested parties to contact her. Carolyn Schlamm's portraiture is infused with emotional content expressing the vulnerability and longing of her mostly female subjects. She explores portraiture in its many aspects, traditional, in which appearance and character are foremost, expressionistic, in which the inner life is heightened, and stylized, in which the image becomes iconic. She is known for her use of exuberant color, elegant drawing, and modern design. Meet Carolyn at carolynschlam.com. Here is the interview with Carolyn Schlam. In your own words, who is Carolyn Schlam? Carolyn Schlam is an artist, first and foremost also a writer. I would call myself, if I was going to use two words to describe myself, I would say I am a seeker and that I am an expressive. That sounds wonderful. 
So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, The Creative Path, A View from the Studio on the Making of Art, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned off-record. So the first one for you had to be this one. What is another word for artist? Another word for artist? Oh, there's so many. Creative, obviously, that's a... Uh, we are uh, conjurers, uh, in a sense. We are like magicians. And more than anything, we are just like everyone else, in a sense. We just uh, have the calling to express ourselves. But many people do, whether they practice art or not. So I could, I could give you other words, but <laughs> those, are, yeah. those are a few good ones. Right, and it is. So in speaking of creativity, art, creation, from your point of view, what is to be a creative person? A creative person is someone who has the calling to express themselves. It's not sufficient just to go about life and grow and have relationships. There is a burning need to manifest ourselves in some kind of concrete way that we call art. This is a calling that I, I've met many artists and I've taught many people. It comes to usually most of us early in life. And um, we just feel this urge, this itch to make something of ourselves and to make something that other people can enjoy. Mm, yeah, that sounds so good to me. I think we all have this appreciation in love for art and yeah, in creative works. I could save this for later, but I wanted to ask you now for some reason, how do you define beauty? What is beautiful to you? Uh, that's a very difficult thing. And since I've, I've uh, written quite a bit about aesthetics, I dealt with the question of beauty. I mean, it's, a, it's an essential question. Most people think that art is concerned with the creation of beauty, but that's a very uh, limiting definition because, first of all, standards of beauty are always changing, so we can't get uh, together and decide what beauty is. I prefer to use a standard that I call expressiveness, which means, or evocativeness, the ability of a work to communicate because art is communication. We are all, as an artist, we feel something, we think something, and we're trying to share it with the world. And so it is a form of communication. All the art forms are forms of communication. So the more expressively we are able to communicate our feelings and our thoughts, that, in a sense, is beauty, truth. That truth, that authenticity is beauty. Mm, wow, I love that, Carolyn. Yeah, authenticity is beauty. That's a wonderful phrase. Mm, yeah. That way, it's, we're not limited by cultural standards or uh, standards of one time or another. If, if a piece of art moves you, it's a work of beauty. Mm, oh boy, and you're very good at it. Yeah, I was looking at some of your drawings and paintings and I couldn't stop looking at them. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It is, and you said magic. You used that word too today. So it has to do with magic. Well, it seems like magic to the viewer, especially. Actually, it isn't really magic. 
Uh, it seems that way because most viewers only see the end results. They don't see the work as it's growing and developing. And if you saw the work as it was growing and developing, it's like going behind the curtain and seeing how the magic is made. <laughs> but because we don't see it, we think it's magic. It is wonderful, though. It is thrilling and wonderful. But technically, it's... And we kind of feel like alchemists because we're taking... Like in my case, I'm, I do a lot of uh, figurative work and portraiture. And I'm just taking some gooey paint and I'm... I'm coming up with a, something that feels like it's alive. People, um, <laughs> a friend of mine named a painting of mine. She felt it was, uh, it was a portrait, that it was so alive she could give it a name. So that's pretty magical, I think. Yeah, you talk in your book of the process, inspiration and practices, everything that goes behind the scenes. And, but it's still... It, the process of creation has to be magical in some ways, right? Oh, it is. It, it, it absolutely is magical. And also what is ultimately created is never what the artist intended. Mm, it, it may be close to it, but <laughs> we, we are not able to do that. It is always a surprise. The final work is always a bit of a surprise to the artist. So it is magic. <laughs> I have to okay. say it. <laughs> it is magic. It's creating itself. You are the conductor. You are the vessel. But it's the unknown being manifested. That is so brilliant of you. Because yes, the work is a tautology. It does create itself. You feel when you make, you stand at the easel and you're about to make that first mark. And you hesitate for a moment because you know that once you do, the whole the process will unravel. And the end, in, in a sense, is already spoken from the first moment when you make that first stroke. It is, it is amazing. I, I have wanted to, um, part of the creative path um, involved the making of a painting. It was called uh, The Story of a Painting. Um, I, I taped a little uh, tape recorder to my chest and I and a camera, and I kept taking pictures of the piece as it was evolving. And it is a dream of mine to actually make a film where I show and tell exactly how it's being made. Right. Wow. I think that would be a treat for, you know, that would, maybe that would diffuse some of the magic. I don't know. <laughs> right. Because now we see everything. Well, yeah. Now we see right. it. Maybe yeah. it's not such a good idea. I think it's a great idea. I love that idea, actually. Let me know. We'll be in touch. <laughs> okay. I have three more questions here for you that relate to life itself. What is life to you, Caroline? Well, I will use an analogy from my painting because I, that's who I am primarily. And I will say that uh, life is a canvas. And it's a canvas upon which what we paint on that canvas is the story of our soul. In a sense, when you look at life that way, in a sense, everyone is an artist. Every person is creating the work of art that is their life. All of the experiences we have, which are unknown to us uh, our, as our life evolves, fill in all the corners of that canvas. So, oh, I love that idea. And that's it's true in, in this sense, life itself is an art. It's it is uh, a creative act. Creative, creative work. Life. It, sure. I mean, we know that every day we make decisions, we make choices that um, determine our lives. 
the color of our lives. That's a a very profound way of defining life, if it can be defined. And my follow-up question is, what do you think is the opposite of life? Well, I can obviously, uh, uh, not being in, not knowing yourself, I think. Mm, Not coming Mm. to know and develop yourself as a human being is the opposite of life. I mean, I think... Unfortunately, there there may be some people who who never get to actualize themselves, and that is a great loss. So it is, yeah. I like the way you're saying that. So not knowing oneself, not knowing oneself, because that precludes not knowing oneself precludes really everything that's wonderful in life: love, uh, pleasure, you know, communion with others. If you don't know who you are, it's pretty difficult. Yeah, so true. Would you say that that is the purpose of life, to know oneself? Yes, I would say that the purpose of life is to know oneself, to develop oneself, and and to do, to connect with others, to do what you are born to do and and what you are given the, the gift of life to accomplish and not to waste it, you know, to make the most of it. Yes, I think that's what we're that's what we're here to do. Yeah, I like what you have added to it. Yeah, I agree. What do you love most about being a woman? Oh, I, I love, frankly, I love absolutely everything about being a woman, except the inferior way we are treated by others in our society. Um, I love being a female. I feel totally female. That, but that is just a coincidence. That's just that's just me. I, I'm not particularly into uh, girly, so-called girly things. But I don't know. I just I just enjoy my my being, my sexuality. I, I think if I go too much further with this, extolling the virtues of femininity, I don't want to be dismissing anyone else's you know, feeling about their own gender. But, you know, it's right. just a personal thing. I, I enjoy being a girl. <laughs> yeah. That's all I, I... I know you mentioned briefly about the challenges. That's my second question. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? Oh, the most challenging aspect is not being a, a fully recognized with uh, dealing with men who uh, do not recognize women as equals having uh, decreased opportunities, uh, even in the gallery world, you know, most of the, most of the, the galleries are filled. Uh, most of my students and most of the people who read my books are women. And most of the people who go to museums are women. But most of the artists in the galleries and museums are men. Hmm. And that persists to this day. So that, that is definitely very hurtful not just for myself, but for all the wonderful artists that I teach and, and that I have come to know. So, Do you think this is changing at this time? Uh, very little. I think now there, there are some women who are recognized, you know, but now we have, for instance, in Washington, there's a museum, a museum of women in the arts. Well, why do you have to have a separate museum for women in the arts? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, are we a strange oddity that we, we should be represented? 50% of, of the art in, in the museum should be represented by 
certainly of the contemporary art, you know, in years past, women didn't have the opportunity to practice as artists, but certainly today. And the art schools are filled with women. I would like to see parity in the in the art world. That would be, that would be a very exciting thing for me. Yeah, that would be wonderful, right? And who knows? That's a lovely vision. We we continue to hope. Yeah. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What does it mean to be free, Carolyn? Oh, it's such that's such a complicated thing. It means I don't think you can be free if you're not healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think you can be free if you're poor. It's pretty difficult if you're abused, if you're, um, you know, in dangerous circumstances. So there are so many people in the world who are not free. Freedom is an incredible gift. Um, it's a privilege. And those of us that are, are healthy and are, you know, able to support ourselves, we have to recognize that as, as a privilege. The privilege. I mean, in a sense, we are... <laughs> I don't even know if you can be, uh, I always think of that Bob Dylan line, are birds ever free from the chains of the skyway? That's a, a line from a song. I mean, we all have restrictions based on who we are, our situation, and so forth. So there is no such thing as absolute freedom. Mm. But the more we have, the better. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective. I'm wondering if you connect freedom to inner peace somehow? Freedom and inner peace. Well, I think, you know, if you think of someone like, I I think of a great, great man, Nelson Mandela, Mm -hmm. who was in prison for 29 years or 27 or 29 years. He was in a tiny little room of a prison. And yet what a free man was he? Mm -hmm. Because he was someone who truly knew himself and meditated and was mindful and so uh, perhaps he was freer than people who roam the earth free. You know, I do think I do think knowing oneself is liberation. Mm, yeah, I do believe that. I love the way you said that too. Yeah, knowing oneself is liberation, and I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So my other question here is about the current situation at this time. What do you think is the world's greatest need? <sighs> Oh, that's aside from the basics of of, uh, clean water and all the rest of it and food and so forth. Education. Education, I think, is the world's greatest need because uh, one cannot rise out of one situation unless one is educated. And when I say education, I don't just mean, although that's certainly important, but I mean education about oneself you know, meditation and, and um, all of the subjects. I think it is the most important thing. And I think it is the one thing that will, um, has a potential of lifting uh, a tremendous number of people out of uh, poverty and other terrible situations around the world. Yeah, beautifully said. And the question came to mind about creative works and art and creativity. Do you think that creativity is a path to that self-knowledge, would you say that? Or the other way around? No, I do think, I think creative practice is a path. I mean, I, I, I did write a whole book about it. And I do think it is a path to self-knowledge because, you know, we were talking before about, uh, you mentioned inspiration. And inspiration is the foundation of, of art making. Without inspiration, to inspire means to breathe in. 
And without inspiration, taking in something from the outside and connecting to it, there would be, be no art. You know, we, we as artists, we, we need to have something to say. So we need, we get that flash of inspiration. We see something or we hear something and, and we want to say something about it. So, and in the doing of it, in the trying to express what we feel and what we think, we get to know ourselves. Because we get to think, what kind of things interest me? What kind of things move me? Who am I? You know, and, and so doing art practice is a form of self-investigation. What is love to you? Love. Okay, that's so yeah. big. <laughs> love is everything. Love is, mm. well, I guess love is the latching of your heart and soul onto something <laughs> outside of yourself. It could be a person. It could be an idea. It could be uh, an object. You say, you, I love this place or I love this. And it's what we live for. It's what we live for. Talk about inspiration. It is right. the ultimate inspiration. I love your wisdom, Carolyn. I love your wisdom already. Yeah. What, where, and who is God to you? Well, that's a difficult question for me because I, I don't consider myself a, a religious person, but I did say I was a seeker when you asked your first question. Um, I, there, is, there is some sort of, this is a marvelous universe we live in and there's something just awesome and wonderful about it. I don't know. Um, there is an energy. There is something. I don't. Um, I don't know. I don't really call it God, but I. I do feel connected to my time, to the world around me, and um, I certainly don't rule it out. I'm just. I. I'm writing a, a new book now about, uh, which is a new thing for me, which is focuses on spirituality. You know, maybe I'm 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 searching, trying to define these terms and uh, check in with me in, in oh, a yes. year. Maybe I'll have a better answer. <laughs> yes, I'd love to interview you about that subject. <laughs> how did you become a writer? Oh, uh, how did I become a writer? I, I've always uh, I come from a family of people who love words, so I have always loved words, and I love to use them and. I, I have always written, but late in life, I decided that I wanted to, I wanted to give something additional back um, to my students and to um, to take my knowledge of art and my understanding of art and and put it into language and and give it to you know as a contribution. So I started to um, back in 2010 to write what would become the creative path. Originally, if you know, noticed in the book, my teacher had come up with this set of principles called the Ten Commandments of Art. And my, my original book was called the Ten Commandments of Art. But as I got into writing it, the focus changed and ultimately it became a creative path. I just found that I just love writing and I wasn't finished. So I went on to write the second book and, and now I'm working on a third. Um. I consider myself uh, now both an artist and a writer. They're both very dear to me, both both practices. So uh, you know how you uh, how you start something? You just start. Right. One day, you just start. <laughs> so that's what happened. 
So true. And you're um, incredibly talented in both writing and art, visual arts. So that's amazing. Talk to me about the connection between creative works and joy. Oh, <laughs> you know, joy is something, you know, one never knows where joy will be found. You know, you think that you will have great joy at great events or we look forward to these special events. And then we find we just had joy just walking down the street one Wednesday afternoon when we saw a beautiful yellow flower. I, I think joy is like inspiration comes to us. We don't go to it. It comes to us and it's everywhere. I think everything we need is out in the universe. And all we need to do is turn on the on switch. And sometimes we just do. And it can happen anywhere. It could happen in a swimming pool, in a, on a, you know, a city street. It can happen anywhere. And we feel that feeling of being connected and uh, well-being. And that's what I call joy. Do you connect joy to happiness? Or they are somehow different? I think happiness comes from your practice, all of the things that you do to um, be the best you that you can be. And including your exercise, your, your association with people, your work, everything. And joy is just a gift from the universe. It's, it's something, I think of it as something very special that just comes to us every now and then. And we remember what it's all about, you know, and, and we also remember what we haven't been feeling right. uh, all those other times when we were worrying about this or that. Yeah. I love how you connect joy to the unknown, the universe, inspiration, all these subjective, abstract kind of concepts. So it's not something that we can conceptualize or yeah, try to pursue, right? I like that. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, lately I, I've been working on this new book and I've come across this word grace. Mm, yeah. And I looked it up, um, I'm writing the section on grace, and I looked it up and it, it, it says it's an unmerited beneficence. In other words, it's something that you did not earn that just came to you. You didn't deserve it. It just came to you. And it, it, that to me, that that word is now circulating in my brain, and I'm thinking of grace, unconditional love. It, it's kind of that's if there is if there is God, that's what it is. <laughs> that that whatever that substance. That I agree. <laughs> yes, I agree a hundred percent, a thousand times. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, unconditional love, right? Why did you choose to become an artist? And also talk to me for a moment about your artistic evolution. Well, actually, I wanted to be an artist. I remember wanting to do some kind of creative activity from the time I was a small child. But it wasn't to be an artist. It was actually my first love was dance. I wanted mm -hmm. to be a dancer. And I actually studied dance and, and um, I even trained to be a, a dance therapist. But I went to art school too. I was in art school at the same time. And I just made a decision that it would be, I'd have a much longer career as an artist. Um, so I just made that choice. But I mean, I always knew from the time I was a child that I had to do something 
Um, I had to do something creative. It, it's when you have that irrepressible urge and nothing else will do. But also I, you know, I grew up at a time when it wasn't that expensive to live and it was possible, you know, it was possible to get a little part-time job and still go to art school. You know, it's a little bit more difficult now than, than it was then. So I always knew I wanted to be an artist. This is something innate. Yeah, it's that desire. It's that burning desire to do something, you know, whatever it is. It's, it's, I mean, many, 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 many people have it. And many people have it and they repress it because they're told they need to, you know, get the day job and so forth. I had my share of day jobs, by the way. Most, all the artists that I know have their share of day jobs because we, we have to survive and, and people aren't buying our artwork um, and supporting us. So, yeah, we all have day jobs. That's, I, I, I had, there was a time in my life when I had a regular office job and I used to get up at five in the morning to go to the studio from five to eight and work every day before I went to work. So that's what I mean about that irrepressible desire. You just find a way. For most of us, becoming an artist, is that a choice? Is a talent that we need to find by knowing ourselves through um, self-knowledge and self-awareness? And the other question I have is, can creative works or creativity be taught? Absolutely. First of all, I, I am, you know, the, you saw the, the, um, the little uh, quote from my book, that from my teacher. He said, everyone has talent, but not everyone has rags. And I explain that in the book. And I agree with him that everyone has the ability. You know, certain people are more deft than others. They've done more looking. So uh, they, they seem to be ahead. But I think everyone who has the desire and is willing to do the work can become an artist. I do believe that. Anyone. That's wonderful. Anyone, that's a big if, because you have to have the desire and you have to put in lots and lots of hours of work. True. <laughs> yeah, it's work. Talk to me about your teacher for a moment, Norman Raven. He was the youngest son of the Yiddish writer Sholem Aleichem. He was born in Russia and he came to the United States. He was born in 1900 and he came to the United States and he, he was a painter. He studied with Robert Henry, who was a, a famous art teacher and wrote a book called The Art Spirit, which is a famous, famous uh, teaching art book. And uh, Norman set up a studio in Carnegie Hall in those years Carnegie Hall, the, the concert hall, had a big studio behind it, which was filled with artists, every conceivable kind of artists, painters, musicians, opera singers. There would be dancers in the hallways. It was the most inspiring place on the planet. And Norman had a studio in that building, Studio 1101. And he never placed an advertisement. You just found the place. I was one of the people who found the place. And we went there every day and worked every single day. And I was there for seven years. I, I worked there five, six days a week for seven years. This was after college. And it was an amazing play. He was an amazing, amazing teacher. And, you know, I tried to honor him in, in the creative path. There's a lot of, I had, I found some of his old lectures, which I printed in the appendix to the book. He was 
quite a remarkable. And he wasn't in, he wasn't, he was a very old fashioned Russian teacher. And he was very, very hard on us. Mm-hmm. But he was um, very hard on us. But he, uh, well, he created us. You know, he, he, he gave us that fire. He fed the fire that we all had as very, very young people. And Bob Dylan was a student for in, the, in that studio for about six or seven months. He had the easel next to mine. Oh, it's so yeah. funny. And uh, he was there. He still talks about Norman. I think he, it, it had great influence upon, his, uh, upon him. Yeah, the way you talk about him, yeah, I felt the same way. That's a powerful. And uh, talk to me also for a moment about the women's workspace in New York. The women's workspace. I'm so glad you bring that up. I was a, a young art student when I left Norman's class after those seven years. He never wanted us to leave. But when I finally left, I needed a place to paint. I used oil paints and I had no place, had a small apartment, had no place to work. And I had a friend who was a writer who uh, wrote an article in a paper called The East Village Other. It was like a little neighborhood paper. And uh, he brought over the paper one day and I noticed in, for me to read his article, and I noticed in the advertisements, a little ad that said, studio space for rent, $15 a month. I said, this cannot be. It must be 150. You know? mm-hmm. Now it wouldn't even be 1500. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, I called and I went the next day. And sure enough, it was a big loft called the Women's Workspace that had been started by the organization Radical Feminists. And it was a place for women to work unimpeded by men. As a matter of fact, men were not even allowed to visit. Right. Wow. And I got my space for $15. <laughs> That's amazing. That was amazing. And I, I eventually inherited the loft because all the women who had been there before me kind of left. And I relaxed the rules a little bit, but I never changed that policy. I kept it women only. We let men visit, but... But not work. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> not work. We needed to have, in a sense, a room of our own. And that's what it was. It was an, an amazing place. Yeah, I like that. An amazing yeah. This is interesting because you mentioned earlier and I read in your book about the Ten Commandments of Art. Mm-hmm. There was Norman's that was created by him. Do you want to talk for a moment about that, the Ten Commandments of Art? Well, if you, if you uh, want to, um, me to explain any of them, I'd be happy to. Yeah. I mean, these were just, these were just tenets that Norman uh, came up with you know, to he, he used to gather us around and we'd have these lectures and and the Ten Commandments were his, uh, you know, the, his, his, he reduced it to 10 principles. And I think some of them are very excellent. And, and, and like, for instance, there's, uh, there's one, I don't have the list in front of me, but there's one that says, never worry how it looks. And that's such a shocking thing for an artist. You think, oh, we're so concerned with the way things look and we have to get things perfect and everything. But art making is more than making things. It's about creating oneself as an artist and, and, and the experience of creating something. So even if it's, you know, we don't worry how it looks. We just do it. You know, so that that was one of that was one of his principles that we were very confused about. When, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I another one that I absolutely love was um, the one where he said, and I, I'm using it in my 
in my new spiritual book, because I think it's such an important concept, when he says, say one thing, but really say it. Mm. And what that means is in expressing yourself, don't obfuscate and put in, you know, 69 colors and 25 lines. Just make your statement and let it stand. And I think that's something that is such an important lesson, both at, in art making, but also in life, that we, we, um, we don't try to distract ourselves and we just speak the truth. We try to speak the truth and we let it stand. And I think that's so powerful. It is powerful. I love that one. Are those your favorites, those two commandments? Oh, I love them all. You know, I've analyzed them inside. <laughs> I can imagine. Right? I, I love them. You know, you know they're, they're great. I've elaborated on them so much. You know, it's better to be stupid than phony. Mm, oh, I love that one. Yeah, that's my favorite for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so great. I yeah. mean, really. Yeah. To be your true self and to speak the truth. That's the ultimate, you know. Right, without fear. That, yeah. that shows respect to when you speak the truth and you, that is, shows um, respect and, and, and gratitude also for the life that you've been given, you know, that you, that you don't uh, cover up, you just speak the truth. It's great. Yeah. You said, why doesn't this inspiration just continue? Why doesn't it last? So it seems like we look for that. We are, like you spoke earlier about joy, that we tend to chase or try to chase these things, but they will come to us when they want to. (laughs) It's a very important concept. The reason it doesn't last is because we don't realize it, but we've stepped away. We're no longer in the inspiration. We're doing something else. You know, we're, we're, we're no longer there. And, and once the inspiration is gone, uh, you're doing something totally different and you're better off just stopping and coming back to it when you are, you know, when you're feeling it again, because if you're not feeling it, you're making it up. Yeah, true. And we don't want to make it up. We want to, you know, that's what the whole thing is about expression. So how can we be expressive if we're not feeling it? So that was. That was uh, that, that point about inspiration. Yeah, I love speaking of feelings and emotions. You say this in your book. As a student of art and of philosophy, I have derived certain concepts about the mysterious process of projecting our emotions and thoughts into visual form. That is creative visual art. That goes back to that idea of emotions and thoughts and expressing ourselves through art and being real about it and true about it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Not critifying it. Yes, absolutely. I love that, the way you said that here. And also being true, because if we are not true, then we're just making it up, everything. And that's not living the art of life itself. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Beautifully written, so it resonated with me a lot. Oh, this idea so of being true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, it, it can be felt. It can be felt. Yeah. I'm so thrilled when, when someone can responds to my work and that they get something out of it. You know, every now and then I get letters from people who um, who just even with my new book, The Joy of Art, you know, they just people just got something out of it. And it just is it's that's what it's all about, you know. 
what it's all about. So thank you. Thank you. Thank for you. Carolyn. Enjoying it. Something that you said that called my attention. Um, there's no way you can be anything other than yourself. It goes back to the idea of being real, being yourself. A great artist is never satisfied. This is an interesting one. Talk to me about that for a moment. Never satisfied. Right. When, because our feeling is, is we feel our, our inspiration is so strong and we feel, oh, I can't wait to express this. And you go to express it and, and you're, you're using these, you know, greasy paints mm-hmm. and, and it, it's so difficult. You can, you know what it is? I think I'll explain it to you the best way. You know, when you go and you uh, are on a beautiful beach and you see an incredible sunset and you say, and you tra- take your camera and you try to capture mm-hmm. that sunset. And then you realize, you look at the picture and you realize there's no way that you can capture that sunset in a picture. And the reason is because when you're looking at it, it's the magnificence of the universe. How can you capture that with a camera? It's almost impossible. So, so, true. so true. The only thing we, we need to try, but it only shows us, uh, you know, we can't compete with nature. I have, I have, um, none of us can compete with nature. It's, it's, uh, too magnificent, but we, we're very, we're very creative beings. So we have a way of doing, we do some things that nature can't do. You know, we can make purple skies and, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, we can change things up and that's where the creativity comes in. You know, we can make our own, we can, we can be the God in our own universe, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. Yeah. And yeah, that's what it's interesting too, that we are not separate from nature. We are nature itself. Yes, we mm-hmm. are. Yeah. Yes. And we always have to honor it, honor it. And it's, it is the greatest inspiration. I think, you know, I mean, think of uh, the, the sounds of nature, how musicians incorporate them into their work. And that's where all of our sensory, that's our sensory world. And that's, that's our vocabulary of art is the sensory world. And, and uh, so it, it's just so important, you know, it's, it's, yeah, so spectacular. So that's why I say that it's never good enough, <laughs> you know, as, <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you always, but, you know, in a way that's a good thing because your reaction is pretty good. Let me try to do better. (laughs) Right. And you keep trying. Let me go again. Mm -hmm. And you're always going again, you know, making, trying to make the next thing better. Every now and then you do do something that amazes you and that. And then that's it. Yeah. And that's a finished. Yeah. Yeah, But most of the time, no. (laughs) You say something interesting too. You said about failure and disappointment are essential components of growth in any discipline. That's true. Totally, because we need to, failure. Actually, is the best best teacher if we if we use it as such. And basically, you know, I, you asked me to define life before. Sometimes I think of life as just a school. That's what we're here for. We're going to school and we're learning how to be good human beings. That's what we're doing. And we're learning how to be the people we were incarnated to be. Yeah. I love that message. Yeah. True. 
And we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you. But before that, I have to mention the asanas. That's the yoga you mentioned in your biography. The asanas are postures or exercises. And I, the ones that I give at the end of each chapter in The Creative Path are, are creative there to exercise your creative muscles. They're, they're exercises for your creative muscles. Each section you have the asanas, so the practice, the exercise, that's great for those who want to practice become artists. Uh, some of them are just um, not art exercises, they're just life exercises. Some of them are art exercises, some are, they vary. It depends on the topic, yeah, that you have. I have a few questions more for you, but before that, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? There's a, a section called The Big Picture. There's no formula for understanding and appreciating art. You can't do it in your mind alone. You have to use your feelings to be stirred by it. And then you can try to use your brain to explain it. But the explanation will always ring a little hollow. If you could explain it in some other way, you wouldn't need the art. But the truth is, art cannot be explained it can be experienced, but it cannot be understood with words alone. Think of a piece of music, a Beethoven sonata, for instance. You can listen to it a thousand times and enjoy it every time. It stirs you, bringing up different pictures and thoughts each time. It is a stimulant and a conduit for many emotions. But what is it exactly? When I look at a VR painting of an interior, my eyes take up residence in this imagined room. I enjoy the tapestry of colors, the blending of textures, the rhythm of shapes. But more than that, I feel the tenderness of the hand that made this world, the sharpness of eye that selected these notes, the confidence that placed the pieces of paint so expertly. I feel the softness of that time. I have traveled back more than a hundred years. I feel it. I am there. Time is evaporated. Your book, it's actually, it is for life. <laughs> it's not just for artists. There are so many insights there. I mean, it's a way to really reflect more about the way we live and how to, to go deeper into who we really are. So thank you, Carolyn, for expressing that, bringing that to the world. We need more of these works. Thank you for finding it. I really appreciate it. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? Successful is doing your best, pushing yourself, being kind, doing no harm, and being open to love. I think that's what being a success is. It has nothing to do with, with how many paintings you sell, how many museums you're in, or anything like that, how much money you have in the bank. Right kindness, being open to love. Yes. Which is not that easy to do. Right. <laughs> open to love is not that easy to do. True. That's quite an accomplishment. That's so true. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything different? Uh, I would tell, I tried to do this anyhow, but I would tell a lot of people how much I appreciate them and how grateful I am that they are coexisting with me on the planet. That's, I would give lots of praise to everyone I have the chance to meet because I think, uh, I guess that's the only thing I do differently. 
well, I, I try to do that anyhow, but even more, you know, more concentrated. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What are three things about life that you know for sure as of now? I know that life is an incredible gift. I know, I believe that uh, people are basically good at heart, you know, with a few notable exceptions. And um, I believe that it's all worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your beautiful presence. Thank you, Caroline. Oh, thank you so much, Valeria, for all that you do. Uh, If there's anything I can do to assist you or do anything for you, please let me know. Thank you. Where can we find more information about you, your art, your books, products, services, and future projects? Uh, Well, if you just Google my name, Carolyn Schlamm, you'll find lots of uh, on the internet. Uh, My two books are available um, at all major booksellers and my website, carolynschlamm.com. And please, I encourage everyone, anybody who hears this or wants to reach out for any reason to please contact me through my website. I love hearing from people and I I would appreciate that so much. Wonderful. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Carolyn Schlamm and her work, please visit carolynschlamm.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.